You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Saga Liberty Podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. I'm your host, Jeremiah Morrill, and as always, I'm joined by our co-host, Dakota Davis. Hey, how's it going, Jeremiah? Episode 62, man. 62. We are here with uh, with Eldon Pitts. Uh, Eldon is uh, is a, man, he is like the most interesting man in Henry County at this point. No, not really. <laughs> Except he's drinking water and not Dos Equis. Yeah, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's a, by Henry County standards, he's the most interesting guy we have. <laughs> Uh, our show is about our lives in rural Indiana. It's a show about folks who are involved in politics. We're going to promise that our episodes are going to be a fun and an easy listen. We interview people who are influencers, elected officials, political experts, and folks we just find interesting. So this is going to be – we were talking to Eldon a little bit before the uh, before we started recording, and this is going to be uh, a story that has everything. It's got politics in it. It's got crime in it. It's got drama. It's uh, There's all kinds of stuff in the, the, the Kathleen Winters story. Big mystery and uh... – Everything you could want, really. So this is, uh, it's almost like tinfoil time, but it's, yeah. it really happened. Yeah, your, you your tinfoil time <laughs> Tuesday night conspiracy theory show, it's, this is the real deal. Well, that, yeah, it definitely has that. Yep, it, uh, well, uh, those of you who don't know what Jeremiah's talking about, uh, tinfoil time is uh, the bonus podcast that you can get if you subscribe on our Patreon account, and it's me and my wife, Audrey. And we break down conspiracy theories every week, and uh, I think this week um, it was it was one that I'd wanted to get to for a long time, and it was the conspiracy theory of the country of Finland does not exist, like the landmass itself it just is not there. Just one big fake story. Yeah, so we All started we started part getting the, into part it. Part of the flat Earth. Uh, part of the flat Earth. <laughs> it, it was. It has to do with. I listen. It to was them. wild. I, I always listen to them. I, I'm entertained. I don't believe a thing you say, <laughs> but I, I listen to them. And it had to do with something with uh, Japanese fishing rights, cameras, and something with Russia. Yeah. <laughs> it was a roller coaster ride. There's all kinds of stuff going on in there. So the uh, that's supported by the Patreon folks. Uh, we just did an interview that uh, you're going to probably see. I'm guessing in <clears throat> next week's Middletown paper, unless <clears throat> there's some huge news that breaks and we get bumped to the following week. But at uh, it, some point, we're going to be in the Middletown News. Uh, should be next week, yes. So uh, you're going to. I'm looking forward to that. It was fun. We did a little interview with uh, with Eldon, and then he's going to sit in here as the uh, the official historian of uh, of the movie. Uh, but well, between now and a now, historian, a historian, one of the, not the official one, lead historian, I guess. There you go, yeah, senior, there go. senior historian, <laughs> senior, ah. senior. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we normally just kind of joke around here for a little bit we're still waiting on candace to get here she works out of town so we're kind of we're kind of stalling we started a little late we're taking a <clears> taking a slow pace here as we're getting going but the uh the memorial day weekend yep. dakota and i were scheduled yep. scheduled to have a, a good full weekend of uh forced friendship saturday uh you and i were going to get together and do a little shopping before the uh, the indy 500 that's right and then uh monday uh after the indy 500 you and i were going to walk in the parade together mm-hmm and uh, how did our weekend go? Well, I skipped town. You 
you, did you get arrested and couldn't get back? <laughs> nope, that wasn't it. So we went, uh, we go camping in Brookville, Eldon, and uh, my wife and I do. And we've got a permanent site there. And every year um, at every three-day weekend holiday, so we do a, a golf cart poker run. And there's a big dance afterwards. Ooh. Yeah. And so we, we got down there, we're camping, and we're hanging out with all of our friends down there. And it was just like the more that we thought about it, it, it just uh, wasn't gonna. It just wasn't making sense because I was. So I'm working over the ju- during the July Fourth one. Couldn't make it to that one. We're gonna be on vacation during the Labor Day one. So this was the only one we're gonna be able to make it to mm-hmm. all summer. And I was like, Ah, what do I do? And I was like, I'm gonna feel bad if I skip. Well, you. Uh, I mean, you you had a. Basically, a binding contract with your fans, and you had purchased tickets. <laughs> I purchased, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it was. Like, there I was had, a covenant with. I, the, with I'd paid with eighty dollars. I there was eighty dollars, and then I thought, hmm, uh, who do I know that might want to go? And I, so I just texted Chase, and he's like, he's like, how much do you want for him? I was like, you're gonna pay for my dinner at the steakhouse that we go to for Jeremiah's bachelor party. There you go. <laughs> you might have did all right. <laughs> so was it fun? Was it a good Indy 500? Oh, it was a great race. Yeah. So uh, we left uh, we left my house at three uh, thirty in the morning on, on race day, and uh, we have our parking pass. We go down, and uh, we were in line on Sixteenth Street to get into the race at uh, at four fifty. Uh, we were traffic was moving at six o'clock. We uh, we got into the track and into our spot at six forty five. And uh, had a great time. Chase made it down. Chase had his very first Indy 500 experience. Yeah. And uh, he he didn't have any concept. This is I, I tried to explain it to Dakota, and maybe someday he'll realize just what kind of crazy mass of people it is getting into that place. It's uh, it's the largest non-religious gathering of people on the face of the earth. Um, <clears throat> I went once. <laughs> <laughs> year Seeing got, that. Ra- it got rained out three days. In a 1973. Everybody that I was uh, talking to, they're like, are you going are you are you excited for the poker run? And I was like, we're not going to be able to go. We have to leave, you know, tomorrow during the day. This is on Friday. And they're like, I'm like, we're going to the Indy 500 in the infield. And everybody I talked to, they were like, yeah, we did that once. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a, it's like a pilgrimage. You have to do it at least one time to experience it. <clears throat> I thought, is it worth it? And it's, I was like, ah. So were you in the infield? Yeah. Yeah. We have parking passes in turn three. So uh, we tailgate in the infield and hang out down there. We have, uh, we probably had 25 people at our tailgate, uh, that we entertained over the course of the time, uh, that we were okay. there. And then I have seats. So Sarah and I had seats in turn three. So we zip out, we go watch the race. We watch about three quarters of the race from the stands and come back in and hang out. Uh, I was back home by seven o'clock. I was wiped, but it was incredible. Fantastic race. Uh, it was a little different than what people have had in the past, but it was still up there. It was in the top five, uh, number of lead changes of all time. Uh, I think they tied the record or set the record for the most leaders in the history of the race. Uh, so it was fun. It was it was really a, a good Indy 500. Uh, local guy finished second. Ed Carpenter finished second in the race. Um, and Will Power had the most ridiculous victory celebration I've ever seen. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> he got out of the car and, you know, drank the milk. He's lactose intolerant. He sat there and thought about it for a minute, and he did drink it. Yep. And then uh, as he sprayed it or whatever, he got the, the princess or the queen – She's wearing glasses, and he covered her in <laughs> Yeah, head to toe. She was soaked with milk. Just and he's like shocked. You know, he's supposed to give her a kiss afterwards, right? Yeah. That's what we talked She's about. She's supposed to kiss him, yeah. Yeah, and it was, and she was just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. So that was uh, that was fun. So I, I, I enjoyed the race. As always, I 
Memorial Day, you know, my Memorial Day observance is going to the race and seeing taps and being a part of that. And that's there's, you know, you have to fly over and the troops are there. Uh, come on in. Welcome, welcome. Candace has arrived. She's uh, she's arriving in the studio. So we my, that's my Memorial Day thing. So the new Newcastle has the. I know it's been reported as the biggest in the Midwest, if not the biggest in Indiana, Memorial Day parade. I've been to that thing about three times in my life because my ability to perk back up on the, on the Monday after attending the race, it's I, I don't have that stamina. Uh, but Dakota did. You uh, you went to it. You attended uh, yep. as the chairman of the Libertarian Party. Yep, that's right. And uh, it looked pretty big time. Yeah, so I, I went out there, um, and I, I go there. I'm... I'm like, what should I wear, first of all? And I said, well, I'm, I guess I'm the chairman, so I should probably look a little bit professional. So I threw on a pair of blue jeans and my libertarian polo, and I'm like, well, this isn't going to be too bad. It's only going to be 98 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> and we, so I get there, and I— Yeah, you can put the headphones on if you want to. And you're, we're on the air. You're good to go, so come on in. <laughs> so I'm—, I'm talking to lisa who is our our outreach director and i'm i'm like what what do you want me to do lisa i'm i'm here to work and she says you're going to be running around with a uh, a picture frame and asking people if they want their picture taken and so we had picture frames that said hashtag make henry count or henry county proud on them yeah so yeah and uh, we were giving them out to to kids and having we had photographers taking their pictures and it was really really neat well, whenever she said you're going to be running around, I didn't expect to be literally running no, around. Of course, yeah. in in my jeans, it was it was an intense parade. But I've walked a lot of parades with Rex Bell, and normally we're about three to four uh, floats or groups behind our uh, our group because you're talking. You get to, you walk a parade, and then you get talking to people, and then you're stuck. Yeah, right. and then you're running to catch up, and then you're doing it again. Parades are. I, parades are great for the community, but if you're walking in the parade, it is the worst. It is the worst. <laughs> Never done that and don't intend to. Lisa loves them. Lisa just absolutely loves parades. I'm extroverted, but they are. It's intense. It's a. It's a bit of a thrill to do, but uh, man. Yeah, it was. Where's you out? It was exhausting. And, <laughs> and this one gets has gotten a little bit longer. I don't know what is it about an hour and a quarter now or something. It's, uh, well, yeah, we we started right in the heart of downtown, and then we ended up uh, at the end of Bundy Avenue by the by the bank, and we were there. And the only vehicle we had was Lisa's Fiat five hundred, and <laughs> there's like ten of us. <laughs> it was like, well, how am I getting back to my truck now? <laughs> You're stuck. So the. Uh, I got a text the next day that said, "Hey, we won," and I didn't even know there was an award. I didn't either. And the uh, you guys were voted by the judges for being the uh, the most on theme and won a hundred dollar prize from the That's Chamber right. of Commerce. It was crazy. Uh, I, I I had no clue of anything that was going on. So I, Lisa told me, "Hey, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have some pictures to bring by. I need you to put them on Facebook." And I'm totally lost to the whole thing. Yeah, I don't and know then, where I, I saw that. Oh, I think I got an email from uh, Chamber of Commerce. I think, and uh, yep. Then I sent I sent you a message. And, yeah, it was it was it was great, um, and it, you know they did a fantastic job. I had nothing to do with it, but they made the uh, they made the party look good. It was, good. Good. It was really were, neat. People really loved it. The pictures but, were fantastic. Yeah, they yeah. were. I saw those. Yeah. yeah, the pictures turned out great, and we handed out candles, so that was a little bit different. You know, we're a political okay. party, so we weren't going to hand out candy to the kids that can't vote. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we were hand- right. so Lisa made a bunch of candles and we stapled a business card to them that had a QR code that went to our website and right. we handed those out to the parents and the yeah people loved that it was a uh, it was really interesting people are razzing me in here saying they expect to see a Jeremiah Moral parade in the float I uh, <laughs> yeah not for Memorial Day that's not uh, that's what I said earlier we do the uh, we do the Indy five hundred but Memorial Day you can't do it. So this weekend, Dakota and I, he, he skipped out on me last weekend. This weekend, we are, I, I'm truly forcing my friendship, and we're going out of state together. This one's not that much forced. I, this is oh, you're actually I, I really want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Big we're, bachelor party this weekend coming yep. up. We're taking Jeremiah to Nashville for his bachelor party, just like, we, just like oh, he took right. me for mine. Um, and it's, it's so much fun. If you, if you ever get the chance to go to Nashville, it's Nashville, just, Tennessee. That's amazing. The, we're going to the one in Tennessee, yeah. right? You're not, not in Indiana. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's so it's a good trip. Nashville. No, we're going to the big uh, the big Nash Vegas. So everybody can be prepared for all the <laughs> stories on next week's show. Uh, we won't tell. Oh, yeah. There won't be any stories to tell. It's just a Bible study. It's a gag order. Yeah. <laughs> be watching for those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your teaser for next week. That's right. All right. So let's get down to the uh, the business at hand here. <clears throat> um, there's, I've been aware of this for a while, having grown up in this community. There's a, a young lady that, uh, that disappeared a little over 100 years ago named uh, Catherine Winters. She was, how old was she, Eldon, when she disappeared? Nine. Nine-year-old girl mm-hmm. uh, from Newcastle, Indiana. And uh, it's an unsolved, basically, it's an unsolved missing persons case. Is that accurate? Uh, some of us think we've solved it, but. All right. Not well, it might be breaking news tonight. No, it's not 100% proof, but uh, <laughs> All close right. as we'll ever get, I think. So that story, this, the story of Catherine Winters and her disappearance, got uh, got <clears throat> Candace's attention, who's joined us now. And uh, from this tale, you said this is going to be, be a good play, right? So we Correct. went from real world to play, and now ultimately we're going to talk about it, but we, it goes to a movie. Right. And it's been almost, uh, it has been over two years now. Right. I started writing it in uh, the fall of 2015. So we're, we're quickly approaching three years on the full project. Um, we performed the play in February. That may have been when we started rehearsing. Uh, it was April. March or April yeah. of t- 2016. Yeah, 2016. <clears throat> we sold out um, five shows. You guys perform at the Guy Opera House Guyer in uh, Opera Louisville? House, yes, mm-hmm. they gave us the opportunity to um, do it there, and we casted it, and we rehearsed for six to nine weeks. We had a band. Eldon was in the band. And, um, yeah, like I said, it, showed, it sold out five shows, and we had a professional come and tape one of our dress rehearsals, and he was just blown away. Bobby Darko is his name, and he mm. was just blown away with it. And he kind of jokingly mentioned that we should do a movie. A little little while later, Reese Haran, a cast member, she seconded that. She was like, oh, we should totally do a movie. And, and we were all so close at that point. And Catherine Winters has been such a um, hot story in Henry County for 105 years so it just seemed like a really great idea to just go ahead and and um, start production of a movie. So, had you have have you written multiple plays in the past, or was this a new thing for you? No, I had never written. I had never directed. <laughs> I had only I had merely starred. I was a, <laughs> <laughs> I craved the limelight for twenty years. So <clears throat> it was so 
what really happened in the very beginning was I went to a show at the Geyer. I've been active out there for about 20 years since I was in high school. And um, one of the playwrights there that was um, directing a show that my children were in, he had written the show. Not Unicorn Shoes. What was the first one that Bud did? Oh, Monsters. uh, Monsters Come come Out out of of the the Closet, closet, yeah. So I thought, well... He can do it. I can do it. You know, and I, I was really itching to get back into the gyre anyway. And so I started writing it. I actually wrote it in the notes app of my iPhone. Nice. Yeah. Just sat you there said, and went. Right. You said challenge uh, accepted. Right. Catherine and went. Catherine, you mean? Yeah. I started yeah. writing Catherine. Yes. Yeah, you, you did. Not monsters. <laughs> Bud wrote that one. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when you, when I found out. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way you'd written it. Right. And so, um, I just I went to a board meeting at the Geyer and told them that I had this play and I'd really like to do it. And of course, they had heard of Catherine Winters, so they gave us the chance, and it was a sellout, literally. So it was pretty pretty good feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. Maya, uh, I wrote a play when I was in high school. Well, actually, it was a sketch show. It was called "We're Bringing Moderately Attractive Back," and <laughs> <laughs> it did not sell out. <laughs> So yeah. you are a much more successful writer than I. <laughs> it, we actually had to add two shows. And once we added the two shows, it just got really hectic. All right. We are back recording live. We had a little <laughs> momentary interruption. The batteries in the recorder died. So if you're watching on the Facebook Live, we apologize for that. The panic in Dakota running away should be your explanation of <laughs> what happened. I blame Chris Spangle because he was he was helping me with the with the board and things this week. So, Well, I have to admit, the Zoom was showing that it had one bar, but the other one always, this is only our third week with this Zoom, and I thought, ah, oh, it says it could record for thousands of hours and yeah, not be a problem. Be so yeah. I didn't think it was really that low, but uh, boom, it was just gone. <laughs> so now we know. All right, so let's let's get some backstory. I was going to I was going to say uh, one thing. Uh, yes, sir. <clears throat> that Candace was talking about the play, and she contacted me and to see if I wanted to play bass. And you already had, I think, Larry Abrams and uh, Tim Wilkinson, right, to play. And um, it was interesting because uh, it's not a music; it wasn't a musical, so we had to create some some music for the for scenes that you wanted to do for the show. Which um, I mean, I, it's somewhat thought, uncommon to do a a play with live music now. I would imagine, right? I mean, you're not always uh, doing a live dramatic orchestra. play, yeah. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, since it wasn't a musical, though. there well, were no lyrics. We just had <clears throat> instrumentals, but you had nothing to read. So we yeah. did find uh, some uh, gypsy music, and uh, and then it worked out really well. Does I the guy have an have an opera pit? No, they do no. not. Um, not unlike Bundy Auditorium. But on That's this, what I was thinking of. I couldn't, I couldn't remember which one it was. Have you not been out there? I've been, I've been to the Geyer. Yeah, I couldn't remember, but it's been a long time. I, I think that I was, I was in the play Wilbur <laughs> out there. No, oh. <laughs> and I was, I was the, uh, the, the fat bully pig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, sure. when, when was that? Did you were you, oh, were you in a fat suit, or was this just before you, uh, you transitioned over to athlete? No, I, I did. I had a pillow stuffed in a pink shirt, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, the, no, the orchestra's <clears throat> off to the side, and the uh, thing, the structure they actually built. Uh, yeah, we call it the pit still, but uh, and um, they can use it now also for shows if they need an upper uh, level. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really nice, and it's covered, you know, with, uh, and it works out really well. 
it was really, um, you know, sentimental to me because, of course, I have a history of being out at the Geyer, but then also just the age of the Geyer is, I think it's 1905. 1901. 1901. So it also has its own. It's such a cool building, too. Mm -hmm. It is awesome. Oh, it's beautiful. We always describe the smell. I mean, you, it's got this smell and it's not a great smell. Um, but it is just, uh, it's a, a smell. And when you, when you're there, you know, you're just kind of, yeah, you, you said, you said the smell and I, I, I remembered it smelling bad and yeah. I was like, I was like, you learn to love it. It's, it's hard. Did they smell. change something? Yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, it's very, very, very old. There's signatures on the wall, uh, as far back as 19, I think it's 1914 actually really? that there, then there was a, there's one, um, as you're going down to the backstage, there's a, a spot that they've they've painted it again so it, because it had faded so much, but it says, please do not spit on the floor from when <clears> they <throat> used to spit tobacco. You know, this I guess yeah. I've never looked at all those to see how what the oldest one uh, I, I believe was the, on there. I believe it's 1914 that the oldest one is written on the door as you're going back into the dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's haunted, and it there's oh, all yeah. kinds of stories. And it definitely is. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> I think they have a regular uh, ghost hunters group that— uh-huh. Makes regular trips uh, from Indianapolis. Yeah, it's the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to check. Need, our, to do that, uh, need to do that show there. We have to yeah. check our studios for being haunted with all the equipment glitches we have around here. Yeah, that's right. That's probably what it is. But Elvin really? had touched on the music, and actually, uh, there are two original pieces that were written when Catherine went missing <clears> as right. a sort yep. of propaganda to help find her. Um, so they used both of those, and they are they are terrible. They're absolutely terrible. I mean, of course, they've grown on well, us. The way, but we, the way we, we recorded them for the soundtrack, yeah, they we've put our they sound great. I think, <laughs> and we've learned to love them. But if I mean, if you are you know a musician, it's they're very and not nothing against old hymnals, but they're very uh, hymnal esque. Yeah, they. I mean, they're they're you know when I first heard them, uh, they they weren't that great to listen to mm-hmm. if you just if somebody's singing it with piano. Did you have uh, did you have original versions from the time that people had recorded, or did, did you have sheet music? What did you work yeah, from? Sheet music, yeah. Just sheet music. You didn't have a recording, like a commercial recording or something somebody made? No, no, no. And one of the songs actually is titled no. uh, Where is Catherine Winters, right? Where did, where yes. did Catherine Winters go, yeah. Right. Where did and Catherine Winters go? It has lyrics that include, is she um, somewhere beneath the sod? Um, oh, my gosh. I think that's the, uh, can we t- could we telephone to heaven, I think. Is, uh, is it? Yeah, oh, I'm not like sure. Clapton and they're, they're both uh, they're both creepy. I'm they're very sure. creepy. They're very, they're very dark, very creepy. But then they have this you know churchy type song, um, music with them, so it's a little. But, but we we um, recorded some for the actual movie, and um, Tim Wilkinson he took one of them and really kind of added some nice gypsy sound to it. Yeah, it goes into a minor key, and it, it's it's very dark, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's it's great. Uh, All right, so let's, yeah, let's start re- from let's, the beginning. Let's reset for people that aren't familiar <laughs> with the story. So we, we know we've we had play, but let's 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 rewind to figure out what happened in 1913. Yeah, we had somebody ask in the live stream already. Who is Catherine Winters? All right, so we need to start from start from there. Uh, 1913, March 20th. Um, schools were out uh, because of a measles outbreak. Um, so uh, Catherine was going to go sell some uh, needles for a church charity. Not hypodermic needles, but I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> it's 1913. Oh, well, it's Newcastle. Uh, I don't know how long we've yeah, had right, this yeah, problem. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> sewing needles. Clarify that. 
The, uh, it was um, the, the 1913 she, version of a needle exchange. She came from a nice family. <laughs> School okay. children giving out needles. Kind of needle. <laughs> Maybe it would have well, been morphine needles in that era. I'm right, not yeah. sure how nice a family, but <laughs> right. this, dysfunctional family. Uh, to sell them for a charity, and about 9 o'clock she left home and was going to play with a friend, Helen Stretch, uh, down on um, North 7th Street, who had a doll, new dollhouse. And so... Um, the story was that uh, she was walking back um, east on Broad Street about the 1100 block when family friend uh, named Dan Monroe uh, saw her and talked to her. And um, then she went on home, and he was believed to be the last person to see her. Uh, <clears throat> but there, it was in the one of the newspapers just a few days later, actually, that some uh, boy that knew her, had seen her at 16th, around 16th and Broad um, at a livery stable up there watching some gypsies watering their horses. And, so uh, 16th and Broad, if if we're thinking more current, there's a church there now. It used to be the old Martin Tyre Firestone. Is that where 16th yeah, and Broad is? Yeah, yeah. And and this was on the south side of Broad where the where the gypsies were. And she lived just three blocks north of Broad Street. There on so 16th we're, Street. we're talking about gypsies. What, what do we mean by that? We're we talking about like like ethnic people, like the Roma, yeah. People, was that, Candace knows more about that. Roma was the best that we could conclude. Um, of course, they're gypsies. I mean, and we we use that word um, in the sense of you know they collect vagabonds and stuff along the way. So you know we're not exactly positive, but we know that gypsies traveled through the area quite frequently, regularly. Yeah. yeah. So that so, was a common occurrence. And ah. also in yeah. 1913, you know, gypsies were um, would have been um, socially on the same level as black, yeah, black people, yeah. um, people of different culture and religion, things like that. So it would have been very easy to point the finger at the gypsies as they were in town. Um, they interviewed the, the, pe- the people that don't belong, basically. Right. right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's over by the railroad tracks. It's, it's in a very transient area. I would assume Broad Street at the time was still the main main thoroughfare. It was, uh, it was yeah, and I'm not sure what the city limits were. They were a lot smaller, obviously, now than they are now. But uh, So I'm not sure how far east the city limits went. Uh, probably not a lot past 16th Street, probably. But uh, And she lived just three blocks from there, so... She, you know, she was just three blocks from home when she actually may have been seen last. Um, so. And then um, she didn't, when she didn't come home, her uh, parents, um, apparently assuming she was still playing with some of her friends, didn't notify anybody until about 5 or 5.30 for some reason. I'm not but sure why. She went missing from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Well, yeah, she Roughly. was supposed to be home at 11 or 12 for lunch. Um and why they waited that long, I'm not sure. Well, I I I, I, I know why they waited that long, but uh, uh, so. Oh, but it was also kind of a different time then, where free range parenting. Yeah, yeah. So they they got an automobile. It started. It had started. I don't want to start to rain, but they had some great flooding in the whole Midwest and Ohio Valley that night. That started a lot of people were died in uh, several days over the several days. So they found an automobile and they went out to try to find this um, group that had come through town. Um, got stuck in the mud, I think, probably a few times, and uh, found a, a, the group uh, somewhere between economy and um, 
Hagerstown, I think. And Looking for the gypsy. <clears throat> right. Then it left. It found, so. found the camp. It found the camp over there and uh, um, searched it, um, didn't find the girl. And um, so they went on. Uh, and in the ensuing time, uh, private detectives got involved. Uh, one detective tracked some of these groups on the way to Pittsburgh and said he was convinced that they didn't do, they didn't kidnap the girl so yeah there were a lot of private investigators <clears throat> there were several uh, involved in that. yeah that that kept taking the case and then they would they would get, go through all kinds of uh just researching and following and looking into things and then they would quit and then another private investigative firm would mm-hmm. would pick it up and they would go through the exact same thing people were following uh I'm, these investigators were following people all across the country if they thought maybe there was a little bit of a chance because it was it was the biggest news story like in the nation at that point, right? It was. It was in uh, like 70 newspapers, uh, rewards. Um, William Randolph Hearst offered a um, big reward, I think, um, in, from Chicago. Uh, the newspaper publisher. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but and, there, there was like, what, 5,000 people that, that – gathered in chicago to to try to sell things or no it was the boy scouts like five thousand boy scouts um yeah i'm not sure we're looking for her in chicago so it was it was a big deal like the the factories in town they let they let off of work they did that day actually four days later uh she disappeared there was a special city council meeting and they asked everybody to go out and and search the next day. I assume that would have been on Tuesday after she disappeared. Well, I would hope that Aaron like Dickens would have the same sense. They still have <laughs> I would, I would so. 100 years later, and we still have city council meetings on Mondays in Newcastle, by the way. <laughs> it was on Monday. It was, it was a special meeting, though. So I'm not sure yeah. what, what day their regular, their regular meetings were. And so people did. I don't seven, six, seven hundred people. I'm not sure. I searched the whole city. Yeah, the, what I saw, what, what I found was six to seven hundred men and 400 plus women and children. <clears throat> right. It, in Newcastle, glad that they separated that so that they could have how, mu- how many men they had on working the case versus versus women. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's important. <laughs> different time, man. Yes, it was a different time. And then Dr. Winters made a film, and of course, those um, the movies were new, and um, so he made this film. You can find it on YouTube, and um, yeah, I watched it. It's interesting to see. Um, f- there's a lot of footage in there that's not needed. Yeah, um, just I'm sure like, they were like they got this fancy camera and they're like we're going to film. There's everything. like <laughs> just three minutes straight of men silently walking right. out of a factory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. Which I think there's. I'm not good, sure. I'm not sure when that film was made. Uh, a good forty percent of the stuff we talk about on here is entirely unnecessary too. You gotta so, you gotta go through that. You gotta filter through our crap. Too. I'm, not, I'm not sure if, uh, if anyone knows exactly when that film was made, but I, I assume it couldn't have been four days later. Right. So right. I, I'm guessing that that was all just someday. They, the crew from Indianapolis was here in town and they shot people coming out of work, but it wasn't the actual search. I don't. I don't but see when that, you think that, about the time period and what extreme they were going to to find this little girl, I mean, movie moving pictures were brand mm. new. I mean, within yeah. the last 10 years. So, State-of-the-art way to get the word out. So, yeah. I mean, it would be like, you know, us, you know, having just, I don't, I don't even know what to compare it to, but just the highest tech technology available yep. to right. find a missing person. Broadcasting it from the International Space Station. Right. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and it does look it does look like the old newsreel. Uh, mm-hmm. so newsreel yeah. style of silent film. And 
we should say, I guess, that, that Dr. Winters, uh, William A. Winters, was uh, the girl's father, uh, a dentist <clears throat> here in town. Uh, uh, Bird uh, Ritter Winters was her stepmother, and um, she had a, uh, Catherine had a younger brother, Frankie, who was two years younger than she was. So that was uh, the, the family. Uh, and then there's the um, Ross Cooper uh, William was, Ross Cooper, who was had lived boarded at the Winters home for about two years. Uh, yep, and uh, Catherine Winters' mother died of tuberculosis mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Colorado, I believe, and she yeah. she was from Wisconsin. Uh, Doctor Winters was from Illinois, but uh, and the so was the mother was the mother already gone at this point? <clears throat> yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So he was oh, yeah. a single father. She died. Well, when, she, I think when Catherine was she had a stepmom. Step-mom. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they, then Bird's mom also lived with them. At the time as well, right? Uh, she did for a while, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, and she they, should have been out there selling needles with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, you know, the the, the search went on. Uh, mediums were involved. I'm sure they were getting all kinds of letters uh, from people saying they could find her for a price or for a, <laughs> for a fee. Opportunistic. Uh, uh, yeah. Which yeah. mediums were huge back then. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was a big deal. S- spiritualism was a big deal. Uh, yeah. Everybody. We have a medium, and he goes to visit a fortune teller in the movie as well. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yours was that. I, so I'm doing the research for this, and I'm like, I need to find the Catherine Winters movie. Okay, and so I just search YouTube for Catherine Winters movie, and it, all I could find was a silent film. And I, I kept seeing it, and I was like, and... It was like the first one, and then your guys' trailer would be underneath it, and and the trailer looked so good that I was like, "Is this surely this isn't it?" <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so it's a minute and a half, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> but it it looked good. Thank I you. was I was really really impressed. Antoine Mercury did our filming, and um, he directed on set. Um, we, I would rehearse the actors prior to get the set sta- get the set ready. Um, we had costuming, of course, some hair and makeup. But then he would come in and film, and um, he was just his background is primarily in music videos, hip hop music videos, and for him to do something at this level that maybe he's done a couple other minor things. This was definitely his biggest project as far as film, but um, for to see him use his. Um, music video experience to shoot this i really think that it gave kind of a new uh w- when you mix the new new way of filming and, and the you know the hot new shots and things like that with our old sets with our old costuming with our dialogue that's very um you know 1910 period right when you watch watch the trailer you can tell that you guys definitely paid attention to your site selection where you, yep. you see the trim work on homes and it's it, it's period correct where it's early 1900s that was the most difficult thing of the <clears> entire project the basement i mean there's a scene where there's a there's a basement staircase and it looks exactly like I, it probably wasn't that hard to find a basement it looked like 1915 around, around this, here around this right? town because every ba- we could just came over here yeah <laughs> You're He's got the uh, one where she is thrown down the stairs. There, push uh, down, push down yeah. The stairs. There's yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a shot from behind a staircase that that that's uh, right. it's an open slat uh, basement staircase. Yeah, and you uh, you found that. Uh, and yeah. you found that location. And then there's another location that you guys have in the in the um, 
that's an open field. It looks like it's an open park or a rolling a rolling area that looked really nice. <clears throat> it is. That's a farm down by Nightstown. And you've got no structures in those, so once again, it looks great for the period. Uh, yes, just really, we, really good job with that. We went, we went to Metamora and filmed. That was a great place to do um, some oh, period yeah. places. Um, we we shot in Knightstown. We shot in Connorsville. Um, we actually had a period train that the Whitewater Valley Railroad um, let us use for a donation. And I mean, it's it's period as close to period as we would be able to get. I, I think it's technically 1920s. But I mean, close enough for government. Right, when you're <laughs> trying to get a whole train and train station, and they this the train station actually was period. It was a replica. Um, so did you shoot that in Connorsville? Yes, we shot that in yeah. Connorsville. It's an old uh, Rushville depot mm-hmm. that they moved. They moved it. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, was just, it was furnished. It was perfect. I like to say that a lot of this was one phone call away. I mean, it was and Eldon. Eldon like had ninety percent of the connections. Not not even kidding you. I mean, anytime I would say we need this. Well, I'll talk to so and so. We've got a guy. I've I mean, a, he I've got us judges' robes. I've been around a long time. Yeah, he, <laughs> just anything you could think you of. Get to know a lot of people. And of course, it's easy to obsess about this story. I mean, very. You're it talking is really to interesting. Two people that I mean, where Eldon's been respectfully obsessed a little bit longer than me, but I mean, I, I was very, very. I, you know, you couldn't stop before you were born. <laughs> yeah. So then once you start working on a project, I mean, you get even more, you know, involved <clears throat> in wanting it to be perfect. And of course it's not. I'm sure that there will be, we'll have plenty of critics out there, but it was, if nothing else, it was a fantastic project that um, brings light to a local story that people love to hear. So. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, I have to say that the um, the the group did become like a family over, over the two years and um, you know, I've done, uh, played for a lot of musicals, uh, stage musicals and 30, like 30 some different musicals over the, since high school. <clears throat> and it's a lot of fun. You know, you come in, you rehearse a few weeks to do the show and you go home and, uh, uh, and I love doing those. Uh, they're great, but th- this was one of the greatest experiences just watching them do what they did, uh, every day. The cast and crew were just Phenomenal um, with the sets that, that they created, uh, where we needed sets created, and locations we were able to find and have people willing to to let's use them sometimes for a donation, and that's fine, you know. But uh, because like this historical society um, and the Whitewater Valley Railroad, because uh, they they're they need money too. So. Yeah. So let's, yeah. But, but they were they were great, and these people just created. I couldn't believe the sets that they created when we when we had to yeah one one cool thing about the the catherine winner's story uh there was a one thousand dollar reward for the <clears throat> the capture or uh information leading to the capture of mm-hmm. whoever took her and w- i ran it through the inflation calculator and one thousand dollars in 1913 is twenty five thousand one hundred and seventy five dollars in today's currency which is insane to me like I I couldn't imagine a child going missing today and someone offering, you know, $25,000 for for the reward. That's yeah. that's not heard of. So I mean that kind of just tells you how big of a deal it was. They know? did fundraisers to find her. They I mean they did all the 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 community really I mean they, they you know, you got to think in 1913, little girls didn't come up missing, or at least you didn't hear about right. it. Yeah. And Newcastle, I love the way um, Charlene, no, Stefan. Colleen. Stephen. Colleen. Yeah, mm-hmm. Colleen Stefan. She she has written a book and it's waiting to be 
released. Um, and she's got a, th- a great theory that talks about how Newcastle was a very sleepy town. And we had the railroads were now coming through because, again, they the railroads hadn't been around very long. So strangers were coming and we hadn't right. started talking to our children about stranger danger. We don't have outsiders around here. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. And she makes some good points. <clears throat> That's her theory. Um, yeah. That she a stranger was off the street. We don't agree, and we never will. But uh, so. we'll, never con- <laughs> we'll never change each other's minds. But uh, and, but she she raises some good points. Yeah, the people are coming, going. They had the interurban, the trains coming through. People wouldn't be noticed that much to take. And there were there were reports that um, uh, a, a middle-aged woman was seen getting on one of the trains. I think down on Broad Street uh, at the depot down there uh, with a, with a girl. But which turned out not to be true. There so, had also been, excuse me, there had also been um, um, reports of a child. Uh, it, it was a man that was violating children um, around the same time. Um, I believe one before and then one after. One shortly yeah. before and one shortly after that. Were, they they that caught were, that person, right? No. They didn't? Mm-mm. So you've never, got all these theories going around town as to, you know, this girl was abducted by the gypsy. She was abducted by some lady at the train station, some guy that's been having their way with kids. But the dad got arrested. Yeah, it's a—well, uh, they had the, the first the prosecutor uh, in the case, H.H. Uh, H. Evans, asked for a grand jury in uh, October of 1913. I think he always suspected somebody in the household— all along, and he said so uh, after they were arrested 14 months later, actually. But and he was no longer a prosecutor. But um, so he called the grand jury. They um, were scheduled to talk to like 100 witnesses or something. I think they only got through like 30 or 30 or 40. Um, and the judge uh, said, you know, a lot of the grand jurors were farmers and they weren't making any progress. They deliberated or they they had the case for about a week and. You know, they said, you know, the farmers need to get back to their work and you're not getting anywhere, you're not getting anything new. The prosecutor said he actually had three more people ready to subpoena, but... But it was um, people judge, like uh, Cade Coger. Yeah, <laughs> no, real farmers not taking <laughs> oh, no, that's what I oh, no. And one thing interesting that happened when they were um, uh, hearing testimony from all these people was once Frankie Winters, the brother, was in, Dr. Winters was going up and down Broad Street, just having a hissy fit. He did not want his son to be interviewed. Yeah, Evans said that uh, he was Doc, drunk. Doc Winters was drunk on the street, waving Frankie's subpoena around and um, cursing the judge and the prosecutor. Uh, so, And he was said to have uh, drank a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much of a dental practice he had. <laughs> well, but they, uh, the, the police ended up searching the Winters' home, right? Right. And they, they find right. a bloody and burnt red sweater which she was said to be wearing they find a bow that she was said to be wearing uh, right. i mean and this was um may of uh, 1914 yeah 14 months later uh the private detective uh, from indianapolis named robert abel uh, showed up on the scene uh, and got a was only here for a couple of weeks i think and said he got a phone call from somewhere and went and asked for a warrant to go look in the basement um and found, you know, what people hadn't found in 14 months. He's here for a few weeks and um, got a clue. Don't know what that was, but, uh, and finds this uh, a red sweater with a burn hole in it, um, a ribbon, uh, a man's uh, undershirt with blood on it, and uh, 
a local a chemist uh, said it was human blood that was a year, over a year old. So, uh, and he the, found this under, is it eight feet of dirt? No. Uh, well, they they did dig up the basement, uh, dig up the floor down about eight feet, I guess. Yeah. But they they found this uh, behind the furnace uh, in a, some cement blocks, I think, with dirt on top of it. So it was... There was never any explanation for the burn hole. Uh, the parents uh, had different, they claimed it was a, a nephew's sweater. And uh, Dan Monroe, the family friend, couldn't identify whether it was the sweater she had on that day or not. One person, I think, said it was. One said it wasn't. So, uh, But they were arrested anyway, and uh, uh, the winners and uh, Ross Cooper and um, charged with conspiracy to commit a felony. Um, Abel, uh, the private detective, wanted that. Want, eventually, after a short time, wanted only Bird Winters and Cooper to be charged with murder. Uh, prosecutor at the time, Walter Myers, wouldn't do that. Um, and so Abel uh, finally left town. After the evidence had come up, <clears throat> and, yeah, well, yeah, when the trial came up, yeah, and so. Uh, they were arrested. Yeah, they're, so they're, the evidence went missing. Well, and they were released on bond, and then yeah, the judge set the trial for July tenth uh, of that year, fourteen. Announced ahead of time that he wasn't. He was going to ask to have the charges dismissed. So they showed up for trial, and by that time, apparently, the evidence was gone, and it was supposedly locked in a safe. No, uh, the the mayor um, Leb Watkins, who uh, ran as an independent, was elected. Took over in January 14. Was said he was going to be locked in a safe somewhere. Uh, because don't know if it was the, the mayor should politically be in charge of evidence in a criminal investigation, <laughs> right? right? Exactly. That, should be, that should be his his or her role. That's a right. lot of this has a lot to do. It, it seems that it has a lot to do with politics. First off, in the middle there was of, a lot of politics. In the middle of it, you have um, a change of hands when it comes to the sheriff, the chief. Uh, the prosecutor right. changed between 13 and 14. He changed the sheriff's police chief prosecutors, uh, um, all of that from 13 to 14. But the judge stayed judge. the same, which yeah. is infamous judge of Indiana. That, uh, yeah. Judge Ed Jackson. Yeah. We Ed Jackson. Yeah. yeah. He was uh, like a, a, wasn't he like a grand, a grand dragon he was or something, something in the yeah. KKK? He was something in the KKK. Yeah. It's very interesting. If you watch the film, our judge, um, has a, um, KKK skull. They wore pins. There we go. They wore pins. Um, and so we, we found it at the Geyer. And I hope jewelry. he didn't like leave that on after, after, <laughs> no. after shoots and like went out to eat or something. And you got to remember like a lot of this cast are millennials and we're very progressive people. So this was very, you know, kind of like touchy. But then again, it was like, oh, we got to, you know, like we, oh, yeah. we, we and found that's a, this. And that's a robe from a, a judge. I'm yeah. not sure if we should say whose robe. Yeah, is. maybe not. <laughs> So it's it interesting, you know, and we really got a lot of enjoyment out of little things like that, that we would know that we did. Yeah, I didn't, Easter eggs I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm, yeah. I didn't know that until after we were yeah. <laughs> finished. I didn't see it. And uh, yeah. I didn't know that, but I thought that was a great touch. Yeah, we had a, uh, um, found a 48 star flag that uh, right. I think you found at Geyer. Right? And we hung it on at it the courthouse. Was, it was, uh, it, yeah. Oh, nice. Is that right? Was Arizona state yet? Uh, it should have been 47. No, it was 48. No, it was only 48. Yeah, it would have been 48. Well, I know Hawaii, Hawaii and Alaska. Hawaii and Alaska, but I don't know what your Arizona became. <clears throat> yeah, they were, they were 48. All right. So, uh, it's we, challenging, Elton. I, I don't want to find any inaccuracies in no, this I thing. Hope I, any level. I hope I haven't. We did it. our best. <laughs> That's exactly what I would do. So we, like, Elton, is this period? Like, you know, held uh, up a prop or something. There was a, there was a typewriter at the uh, train depot in Carsville. 
Yes, at, uh, we Darryl, had to strike. Daryl uh, Smith, who's a friend of mine who writes for the Carnesville paper, uh, just showed up that day when we were down there and, so you know, just walked into this, and <laughs> I happened to know him. So we were looking around inside the depot. We were getting ready to shoot, and I saw that typewriter, and I thought, uh, maybe 1930 or 40, and Daryl uh, said the same thing, so. You did take it. You did take it out. Yeah, we took it out. I was like, it's got to go. Eldon said yeah, no. Out Eldon said idea. no. We had because, like a five-year buffer. You know, if it, was, if it was 1915 or 1918, like we maybe wouldn't have been so. We did. We did find some online that looked like about that year. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, well, I think it was a good idea to take it out. But, but when yeah, two reporters little, tell you things. to take a, a typewriter yeah. out, that's they not know their typewriters, right? Darn it. They do. <laughs> do yeah. These fellows been been Especially reporters the since, yeah. <laughs> since typewriters. <laughs> yeah. We, we did. We used them at the Muncie Star when I started working there. Yeah. We had typewriters. <laughs> 19, did you, 1978. Did you have the nice new ones that you could actually go back and erase on them? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, you had old manual typewriters. Uh. So, so tell me about casting. How? Because I wound up, I wound up getting cast in uh, Smoke and Mirrors, which was produced. Yeah, here I saw you Labor put Day that on there. We'll talk about years that. ago. We'll talk about Sandy Slavin a little bit later. And Sandy, Sandy did a movie, and I was my house. Travis White offered up my house for as a set, and the oh, really? next thing I knew, I was somebody died in my garage, and I had a murder take place that was so poorly acted that they couldn't use the scenes from inside of the house, but the garage scene, the garage scene happened. They wound up having to rewrite the movie completely because the the, ins- the the paid actors in the in the movie couldn't get the uh, couldn't get the stuff right. That was but you're on inside. IMDb now. But I was an ac- extra, and Sandy cool. put it all on IMDb. So I am. If you search for Jeremiah Morrill on IMDb, I am cool. an accredited actor. So maybe maybe when Catherine Two comes out, y'all can help me out. Maybe <laughs> oh, I yeah. can continue my uh, <laughs> continue my resume. Uh, but it, that is that's one of the reasons why this movie was so appealing to me to have you guys on is because we've had this interesting niche of local art obviously robert indiana was here and you know we've got you know it, the music scene that's come come from henry county and then you know cameron grimm did a, a stephen king project cameron grimm's done some yeah mm-hmm. it's five after five productions and they're uh, planning to do a lot more so there's been a, a great art scene and you know whether it's for us in a you know content creation role on a podcast or, or creating creating movies or plays. Mm-hmm. There has a t- uh, emerged in the last uh, know, several years. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely catches our attention. So that was that was the the tweak to me to say, yeah, I definitely want to learn about it. Yeah, because that. it's 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 a local story. You had local actors. It was produced locally, filmed locally. It was all it's yeah. It's right up our alley, Jer. <laughs> yeah, so Super casting we, we primarily used the main characters from the play. And we just did open auditions the way the guy usually does them. We we post and mm-hmm. um, people come and we hold two. And then we call and beg people to take parts because we didn't have enough people show up for auditions. That's, that's 90% of how, um, you know, the guy or smaller ones do. I, I heard that Les Mis, they had a great turnout. They just casted for it out there. That show's coming soon. So um, it should be fantastic. And you might tell them how you found Maddie, uh, Madeline Louder, who plays uh, oh, yeah. Catherine Winters. So I'm writing the, the play, right? And um, the like I said, Bud is doing um, um, Monsters Come Out of the Closet. And I go in, my girls, my daughters, my little daughters were in the play, and, and I see this little girl, and she would have been maybe eight. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she kind of looks like Catherine Winters. And then I see her act, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's fantastic. And she <laughs> is. She's absolutely fantastic. She's She's got so much talent. And so I said to myself, like, that's, that's who I want. And she came to the audition and she blew us away. And 
she's got a very um she a very good worth ethic i mean we pushed this little girl downstairs and we crammed her in <laughs> multiple <laughs> times multiple times <laughs> a lot yes. of takes a lot of retakes on that yeah nice. so we had she was snatched she ran she was tired she was in you know when we especially when we f- at least halfway through the filming she was in every scene um so she was and she worked man she just worked and and since then i've seen her grow so much as an actress anyway and i think back to like when i was you know an aspiring actress as a young girl and if someone would have given me this opportunity i mean it just would have been like oh my gosh so i really like um seeing her and she's so humble about it and she's just absolutely fantastic and that was really how the cast kind of went good friend of mine shyla ward plays bird um greg Kreider, who does bashes bastion Kreider. Bastion Kreider, yes. Depends upon when you know. Right. So if you went to high school with him, he's Greg, and now he's Bash. Right, so he's yeah. Greg to me because I went to high school. We're, yeah. We've been friends for a very long time, and you know he does his barbecue now, which is fantastic. And um, so he plays Dr. Winters, and then Spencer Lowe plays Frankie, and, and I, I've been a hairdresser for 15 years and locally, and um, I did his mom's hair, and he was active out at Geyer as well. So it was um, Jake Serber. You know, we would, there was just ah, a lot of. Wa Alexander. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, he, so you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, right. So he plays um, William Ross Cooper. Oh, cool. It, fantastic. Um, we ca- it, that was a. Shyla actually told me, she was like, you should, get, you should get a hold of Jacob because I think he would be a really good Mr. Cooper. And I did. And he came and he was exactly what I wanted. And so then the other parts that we casted for, I held an, an open audition. We posted it. People spread it word of mouth. And I think we had like 60 people show up to that. Um, we caps, casted the gypsies from there. Um, some smaller roles, supporting roles that were townsfolk. Um, yeah, Derek Crane plays. Uh, yes, uh, De- uh, plays uh, Dan Monroe, and um, Shyla actually told me about him as well. Really? So it's like you know, you, you guys, I'm sure, sure have found once you know one person, you you know a million people in this oh, town, yeah. and the way your networking works. And absolutely. through Eldon, I know every single person in Henry County and, yeah, that's and surrounding right. areas. So, <laughs> so um, I do now. <laughs> yeah, he actually linked me up with um, Mark Orr. I believe that's who you told you told me to contact oh, yeah. him. That he knew. We know Mark. Yeah. So he. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking. These fellows are up at three o'clock in the morning answering my questions about Catherine Winters, you know, and loving it. And um, so it, it was just like I said. Once you, a lot of things were just one phone call away. I mean, we got awesome. a, we got a quarter million dollar train one phone call. So, you know, it's just really interesting when you start to reach out to your community, and um, you've got all these people involved. And people do want to help you. I I like to think that the aspiring artists in this area, there sh- there should be no reason why you can't find something to do with your art and your talent because there are people out there that are very interested in a lot of different things as far as you know, artists, theater, music, go in this in this area. And the other the other two, I think maybe who had uh, who have con- continuing uh, parts in the show were uh, Seth Carter who played uh, yeah the. Uh, Police chief mm-hmm. and the late Kenny Carter, who plays the sheriff. Yeah, so oh, the police chief. Really quick, I, I saw on the on the silent movie, <clears throat> it said contact police chief, uh, and now I can't remember Bouslaw. the first James Bowslaw. James Bowslaw. Right, yeah. And I, I saw that, and I, I'm like wondering in my head. I was like, Bowslaw, you know, in Henry County. I wonder. That's if a that's legendary. In, yeah. <laughs> and, and, then, and then right after I thought that, Eldon was like. Look out for the name James Balsall because that's uh that's Richard's uh, great grandfather. I was like, oh, it was, gosh. and and Richard we had that when we shot 
uh, we were able to get the courtroom mm -hmm. uh, in the courthouse for a weekend, a uh, final weekend. Uh, and the, the courthouse is where they actually held. That was the trial. Yeah, where it was the original. And, you know, we even yeah. thought that they would have been standing in the exact same spots. And the trial and probably the grand jury up there, too. I mean, the police chief, the police station was in the basement of the courthouse at, the, at that time. Oh. But, um, where was the jail? Uh, <laughs> same place it is now. <laughs> since really? eight, Since 18-something. Yeah. Oh, wow. The old jail. Yeah, it was the same location. Huh. Uh, and, and no shell buildings. No. <laughs> uh, and oh, playing the hits, Dakota. <laughs> and it was you know, and it was great for the commissioners to allow us to use the to use oh, the courtroom yeah, for that whole weekend. Um, that was probably my favorite uh, of the five weekends over the year that we that you guys filmed. I think was probably my favorite because some of it actually happened there, and right. uh, and we had shot the grand jury scenes in there, and uh, Dick Bouslog was one of our six grand jurors. Yes. Uh, uh, nice. Yeah, and, that's pretty cool. Having his his family, uh, having Connected been uh, the one, beginning. Of the, one of the people. Yeah. So, you guys have got this shot, and your trailer is out. So, are you in the editing process now, and then trying to determine how you're going to get to theaters or how you're going to distribute? That's the the part of the process you're in now. That's part of the process. So, of course, you know our release dates have been pushed back because that's how um, these projects go, especially when you're. Um, doing 90,000 fundraisers to fund it yourself, so um, which has been wonderful. Our sponsors and our fundraisers have funded the entire thing. I mean, of course, the cast members and um, have put in more than their share of donations and time and, you know, lost receipts along the way and things like that, but, you know, we didn't, we didn't mind. Um, but we, so we got, we had a little holdup with the music. Um, so, you know, of course, when you go to do music, if you're going to potentially make any kind of money off your project you have to have the copyrights and this that, and the other so it was just easier to just have all original music um and i had done a um kickstarter i don't know you guys are probably familiar with that but oh, yeah. it's a way to raise money for your project pretty much you get prepaid for a movie or, or yep. whatever it is so i had started this um kickstarter project and it has a little note where you can set where you can leave and say what you need as far as you know other things that to contribute to the movie, what you need. and In-kind contributions instead of just cash if you need. Yeah. yeah. What else could you do? Supplies. Right. Mm -hmm. So I put that we needed music and, you know, stuff like that. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name, but Jaro, is what, in, or Jay, um, he is from Slovakia. Slovakia. Yeah. yeah. And he hit me up and was like, hey, I make music and I'd love to help you out. And I'm like, okay. This is... young, young composer over there. Yeah. And he's won awards, and uh, he's fantastic. I mean, he's, that's awesome. Yeah, he's fantastic. So, I sent him some some inspirational music. I I used a lot of um, Friedrich Chopin when I was um, writing as inspiration. So I sent him that and some other. I sent him the the music that was originally written when she went missing, and he came back with a full score. And um, we sent that off to the to the editor. And so now he is editing scenes, adding music, and, um, you know, fixing the sound and all that. Earlier this month, you guys had another fundraiser, right. uh, and it was a performance that I think you were both involved with, mm -hmm. the VFW on, is it May 12th, I guess? Yes. Right. And a buddy of ours actually was uh, was was the guy that did the video for you. He oh, did, Scott, yes. Scott Fleener. Uh, right. uh, so w what was that about, and are there more events like that planned as you're trying to get this into theaters? Yeah, it was um, the, um, yeah, I think you... Say we may need one more. I'm not sure. We well, see, so we have 
this, um, you know, we are all actors and artists, so we want our red carpet, and we have all these children involved, and, you know, a lot of actors that have been, and artists that have been, musicians that have been around for a long time, and this is a really big deal to us and our little Catherine family and our little movie, mm-hmm. indie film, you know, low-budget type thing, and, <laughs> and we we would like to do a premiere. I mean, it's a, it's a a it was a great project, and I have um, faith that it's going to be really impressive, and so we want one final event as somewhat maybe of a, a reunion and a release party. So we did do a fundraiser recently, a um, little jazz dinner, jazz and dinner night. We had some um, guest singers, um, Sydney Dungy, Sarah Griffith, Maddie Lauder, who plays Catherine, um, Shiloh Ward, pretty much anyone that's been involved with the movie that can also sing fantastically, by the way. And then yeah. we had the Jazz Kings, um, Eldon Pitts, Larry Abram, um, Tim Wilkinson, and Richard Hawk, um, our little band, our little jazz band that we have. And um, so we did just a yeah, spaghetti dinner and a um, little jazz show. We raised $800 for that. It went that. very well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it went really well. So that's how we've done all of this. Is it's just been um, private donations from people who have faith in us or... Um, Backbreaking fundraisers. And the, so we've had, we've had a lot of politicians on this show that don't know how to ask for money or raise money. I'm going to put you on the spot like we do every one of the politicos. How do they give to the cause? What, what's the uh, what's the website or how do they support right now if they want to get involved? So we do have a Facebook page. Um, you can go to – is it just called Catherine Winters? It's just Catherine on Facebook. Oh, Catherine. And um, – if you will, you can link it on your page or something. But um, you, and we have a PayPal account. You can donate there. We do have a GoFundMe. I haven't had it up. I haven't promoted it in a little while. Oh, is it? Is it yeah, it's still there. I just haven't posted it in a little while. Um, and then we have a website. Yeah, I can never remember the website. Uh, yeah. I have to look it up. And I just got a new phone, so that's not on that one either. But again, but I can. It's on. It's on the Facebook. Yes, page. it is. So you and can there's do that. A, there's a to donate as far as donating. Yeah. yeah, as far as donating, you can do that, or you can pre-order a movie, um, right. and eventually, or here before too long, we will be selling tickets to the premiere as soon as we get um, the actual dates and um, locations, venues, things like that. So we do plan on. Um, we are hoping to show it at the castle specifically. Um, we're working on that. We're working on that, <laughs> and so that would be you know a dream come true to see it. In my childhood theater. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be the ideal place yeah. if we could Absolutely. work it out. Well, and it sounds like the castle, obviously the castle's in a period of transition too, but this is the perfect kind of a movie for the right. castle theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the success that you had in the Geyer, uh, in the buzz of having a local movie released in it, uh, what kind of length are you expecting this to be? Is this going to be a full feature 90-minute movie or is this yeah, going to be hour a 60-minute? 90-minute yeah. is, is the goal. Um, with we, we are doing updates and kind of... Um, uh, you know, you love to see at the end of based on a true story. You love to see the real photos and the real, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. the updates. So we will have yeah. that. So maybe even a little longer than ninety minutes. Um, so we yeah, do. You have a do you have the final quote by Miss by Doctor Winters? Whenever right before he died, he said, "I'll finally get to know uh, what happened to Catherine." So that was in the screenplay, and um, it did it, it, it did get cut. <laughs> Ah oh, no! Right, yeah, that's but one of my you, favorite parts. I know it was in the play, and it was the last, the last line of the play right before he coughs up blood and scene. dies. Yes, so I know it did not make the movie. Unfortunately, there was a lot of things, you know, that you. It's almost like when you take a book and you turn it into a, mo- a movie. Oh yeah, it would have been us. nine hours long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there was things that we had to kind of let go, and um, our project manager, she gets angry with me sometimes when we talk <laughs> about all the stuff that we wanted to do that we just, you know, couldn't do. And, and honestly, I, I love this project, but I was ready to be done. 
I mean, this is three years, and and I know a real filmmakers out in Hollywood. They, you know, they do stuff for five, ten years, but they're getting paid big bucks for that. So I was like, I was just, <laughs> I was just ready. I'm ready to move on to a new project. Well, you're out. Right. It's the, Dakota and I are the same way about our election series. Everybody loved it, and we're looking at ourselves, going, "Oh my God, we're going to kill ourselves." Yeah. We're doing three shows a week on the same same subjects, and just kind of you start to get tired of talking about the same stuff all the time. No, but we understand, more, even though more, it's a passion project. You right? Do, yeah. A few more months, you get to do it all over. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be crying about solar farms and and, and uh, <laughs> commercial goat milking operations, Eldon. It'll be a new a new set of issues this fall. I mean, you got the, you got the general election coming up. That's so. right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the thing about this project that will be the best about the next project is any funds that we make. Um, we have a, bo- a little board that will talk about where we're going, what we're going to do with um, those. But I think collectively we know that there will be another project. And so to not have to do fundraisers. There is. Oh, well, yeah, of course there is. Eldon. you're but playing bass the whole time. Catherine, Catherine too. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what it'll be about. But, yeah. Uh, do you have an Catherine, idea or, Catherine or, too or, or is thoughts just... as to what the next, uh, the next one's going to be? Um, I, I'm a writer, so of course I have a thousand thoughts, um, a bunch of unfinished thoughts and jots and all this and random notebooks laying around my house everywhere. But, um, I probably something more, more along music, music, you know, actually original music and, um, some music videos newer. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say about the band, the band came is great because it came out of the movie. Yeah. We shot a, um, jazz bar scene uh, at the Snedegers and uh, Larry Abrams and Tim Wilkes and I had done the music for the play so we Candace wanted to do a song called Frankie and Johnny so uh, I watched a video of one of those um, and thought clarinet would be good with that so I contacted Richard Hawk who's one of the best oh he's fantastic clarinet and sax and so he joined the group and we shot the scene there doing that song at Snedegers and um then we did a fundraiser at Snedeker's with the band after that, and I think um, we kind of thought, you know, why not keep this band together? So uh, we're we're working on it now, rehearsing and trying to get ready to work up enough songs so that we can start booking, hopefully. Yeah. So that's a project. Um, I have four kids, so of course that's a project, you know. <laughs> but no, I would, I, I don't know what the idea, it, it's almost like, you know, it's right on the tip of my tongue type thing, but of course the funding will kind of, lead me in whatever direction i i I have no interest in doing more fundraisers i mean absolutely no interest i mean of course it's fun to get with the cast and and this and the other but we set up and tear down everything i mean we cook the food we clean you know we we do everything from from moving tables and and you know all that is even the sets we we didn't have a crew come in and do that for us we're getting up at three o'clock in the morning and grabbing some jack's donuts and going to set and setting it up so that was a Jack Sonnets was fantastic. We had Jack Sonnets on set every single time. <laughs> every, every, every weekend. <laughs> every weekend. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I'm honestly I don't know what, but there will be something and like I said there's a lot of un, unfinished thoughts in these notebooks that I have lying around and with the talent that I personally have di- not discovered, but you know. What you have available as a resource in the community, you want right. you want to do you want to continue working together. Yes, of course. That makes sense. And we've made such good friends and I mean, that's so cliche to say, but I mean, it, it really is. I mean, four or five people that I speak to on a daily basis that have come from this project or been rekindled through this project. And um, it's just, it's fantastic. And it's awesome to be around like-minded people and people who, you know, we live in this small town in Newcastle or surrounding area. And we grew up, with, you know, kind of with this sagging head, like, oh, it's Newcastle. But when you 
go out there and you and you put yourself out there and you and you look for it. It is there. Well, and there's a lot of talent here, mm-hmm. uh, musical talent, acting talent. Uh, yeah, there really is. And uh, one of the one of the other things I want to mention uh, that we were able to use in the movie too was from the Henry County Historical Society. And uh, Gene Ingram uh, oh, yeah. got the, their 1911 Maxwell for us to use uh, shooting a scene at a, a local cemetery at East Batson Atlanta. Cemetery. Batson yeah. Cemetery. And uh, Mercury, I think, was really impressed with that yeah. uh, with that car. Uh, and, and it looks great. And it's, it's it was perfect. So. Mercury would walk on set and be like, are you kidding me? How much how much did you pay for this? The, the first one that we did, um, Eric... Ooh, Eric Carinder. Uh, Carinder. Let us nice use. Yeah. That was Kenny Carter, the late Kenny Carter's connection there. But let us use his um, land, and he had a, um, set up a gypsy camp. Yeah, us, so. wagons that were <laughs> original, and a horse and buggy, and, um, and a camp campfire. Mercury walked on set, and he was like, "Wow, what? What did you pay for this set?" And I was like, <laughs> "What do you mean? We didn't pay anything for this set." That's awesome. And he's <laughs> other than the costuming and the props, but ninety percent of those we found at Geyer and. Right. He said, "This is a thirty thousand dollars set. You didn't pay anything for it." I was like, "No, no." That's sweet. No, yeah, we that didn't. is so cool. And then again with the train. I mean, that was we. I kind of gave a rough estimate in my head that we made a million dollar movie on a fifteen thousand dollar budget. Yeah, so. that's sweet. Mm-hmm. So, before we start getting into final thoughts and things, <clears throat> I want to know what what your guys' theories are. I think you're gonna have to watch the movie to see the theory, aren't you? I want to know uh, what Elden. The theories are in they, there. They, they said are they're the totally different. Uh, it, it has, um, and I don't think it takes away from the movie at all, or from um, the ending. Don't blow the, the ending, book. Elden. <laughs> no, well, I'm not sure. Uh, oh, the movie. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the ending. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to talk about the, some notes that I found at the museum yes. uh, last year that. Um, I'm pretty sure I know who wrote them that uh, indicate that uh, a man named Al Sherry, who was supervisor at the Big Four Railroad where Ross Cooper worked, uh, told this to a relative, apparently, and um, in about 1950 that um, Cooper had brought a box or some boxes to the Big Four Depot a couple of nights later after Catherine disappeared to ship to himself somewhere out of another state. Um. And they tried to track the shipment down. They couldn't find it. Um, and I think that's probably pretty much what was thought at the time. The detective, Robert Abel, said at the time that, that when he came in that um, he had evidence that a large box or trunk uh, was shipped, was taken down there and shipped. So it goes along pretty much with that, uh, with what some people thought back at the time. So do you think the family would have done that? Or do you think it was in and used him as the person to 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 get her out of town? Or do you think it was there was a there was a um, uh, the late Charlene Perry uh, researched for thirty years the case and then then her daughter Lisa Perry finished the book. They lived in about the home Catherine Winters. For a yeah, of time. Charlene lived oh, there for, cool. for about six or seven years, I think. Um, and is uh, Lisa who was at the Career Times right for a period of time? Okay, mm-hmm. and um, this is one thing that Charlene had. Said, always said that she had been told that this is what had happened, that something. And, and Charlene interviewed a woman named uh, Mildred uh, Popejoy in about 1988, I think, who told Charlene that um, she was a friend of Frankie Winters and that at some point Frankie told her that uh, they were they were all at home and uh, that Catherine said something and Bird hit her and knocked her off the chair. 
And Frankie said they made him leave the room. They closed the doors, and they, somebody, carried her out, and that was the last time he ever saw her. So that had to be the day she disappeared, obviously, if that's all true, um, combined with what this Al Sherry claimed happened two days later. Um, I think that pretty well it pretty well says what happened. It might have been accidental. probably was. Uh, this detective had claimed that uh, Cooper and Bird Winters were having an affair. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Maybe Catherine saw that, and uh, maybe they decided to... Uh, kill her for that reason. I don't know. That's pretty drastic, but but, but I think it was probably accidental, uh, but they covered it up, so they didn't report it, and whether Dr. Winters had any knowledge of it or not, I don't know. I think uh, the one prosecutor, Evans, thought that he knew what had happened, but he wouldn't say. So, Yeah, I think that's pretty much what, and like I say, Colleen Steffen, uh, a good friend of mine, a journalist from Ball State, er, from, uh, Ball State and uh, who also worked at the Muncie Star for a while, believes that she was grabbed off the street, and she makes some good points for that. By Even a, since by the, the journal entries have been found? No, I haven't uh, spoke to her since. Well, we really haven't. Yeah, we haven't talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we need to have coffee. We need to see what her We've exchanged some emails and messages on Facebook, but we haven't really talked about it. I know I, that won't change her. I don't think. No, it, you don't. She's, <laughs> she's pretty skeptical of everything, So, and, and she has a right to be. Uh, but So we'll never change each other's minds. Ever. So Matt Pierce is still on. He was on our show a couple weeks ago, a detective for the Henry County Sheriff's Department. Mm. Is he still actively working on this case, or have they kind of let it slip by? I have it's, no idea. It's not, it's not an open case down at Henry County anymore? I believe when I Eldon, no I believe when Lisa Perry read the um, uh, the new clue, the journal entries, that she did take it to the police station. And I don't remember. Remember when we interviewed her in the courthouse? I believe she, that's what she said that day. I, I'm not sure what came of it, I, I, but I think that she did, you know, I, turn I it believe over that, to I think so, yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't talked to them. I, I don't know who was looking into it. Uh, but but I, I have talked to prosecutors, a couple of different prosecutors, and um, when I did a five-part series on it, in fact, for the Muncie Star years ago, um, um, I talked to... Uh, Kit Crane, who was prosecutor, I think, at the time, to ask him, you know, because prosecutor, I think politics were involved, but he decided to dismiss the charges. And um, uh, Kit Crane, who's a circuit court judge now, said, you know, that uh, if you if you lose if you lose the case and they're found not guilty, new evidence comes up later. Obviously, you can't retry them. Now, I understand that, but. Um, and it's easy for me to say, you know, I would have gone ahead and taken him to trial anyway, but just see what happens. I mean, uh, you might have gotten the conviction, maybe, you know, maybe not. But so they walked away, and uh, there was never anybody convicted for doing anything to her. So. But supposedly he searched or, or uh, for, you know, a period of time after, a significant period of time. I mean, and even you have his last quote as— Oh, all of his life, yeah. Off, uh, 27 years. Thousands so, of dollars of yeah. money. Too. Yeah, what, what I read was between— uh, 1914 and 1915, he spent uh, what was it like twenty twenty six hundred dollars of his own money, which yeah, put it in the inflation calculator. It's right. that would be sixty thousand dollars of today's money mm-hmm. that yeah, he spent in the year. He he searched and and I can't remember where I got this piece of information, but I believe he helped find 
other another missing girl up from Florida. I think she had been missing from Florida. I, mean, I think I right, think Ellen? they did over the course of him going to identify mm -hmm. uh, people uh, did turn up some girls that were missing in, but they weren't Catherine's. Right. Right. No, he, it, I mean, it, he looked at dead bodies and didn't have a know. benefit. But I think, yeah, he and he died. He died. Spent a lot of his own money, claiming that the gypsies. He still believed the gypsies. Yeah, that was his her. theory. And the, the one prosecutor, Evans, you know, after the trio were arrested, said, you know, that that um, Doctor Winters, the the half of the story would never be known until Doctor Winters told what he knew. Uh, he said he always suspected the Winters' home life was not happy and. Uh, that um, he knew more than he was telling. So, um, hmm. it, but you know, I, th I think he knew the gypsies uh, weren't involved. The one detectives, like I say, tracked them all the way to Pittsburgh and said they, he, it's even, they definitely weren't involved. I've even heard that gypsies started stopped coming through this area because they knew that Doctor Winters <clears throat> would. You know. nah, yeah, that could be. That's why we don't have a gypsy problem anymore. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's one way to get rid of the gypsies. <laughs> that's the reason. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're at that point in the show. We probably ought to start wrapping things up. Eldon, do you have any final thoughts? Anything to pitch? Any, uh, you know, the day job for you? Uh, if you know, if you do have a day job, is the, the Middletown <laughs> paper at the uh, Middletown News uh, that I freelance uh, for them and have since I retired uh, from the Muncie Star in uh, '02. And uh, it's a great paper. The uh, Cooper family, uh, Drew and, and uh, Sue Cooper, and uh, Michael and Joey. I do a great job with the paper. It's uh, they, it's been uh, it was established in 1885, and uh, I think they took it over in 1999. I think Michael told me. Well, uh, I'll, and, and I'll they say do a great job on your behalf. You you cover county almost every county meeting of uh, <laughs> of relevance. So it, even though it says it's the Middletown paper, it's a once a week summary of the of the public meetings in Henry County at a bare minimum. Obviously, there's additional information on, on Middletown, but. For the Henry County side, it's a it's a tremendous value. Yeah, I try to do um, as much as I can uh, with county government, particularly the Middletown uh, Town Council and uh, county government. Basically, I'd like to cover more city council, more city government things, and uh, we'll try to do that in the future. But uh, yeah, I think it it just looks good, and they're they're a great uh, family uh, to work with and to work for, and. And they do a great job down there, and uh, people can uh, subscribe and uh, pay for it and subscribe online on their website. It's uh, themiddletownnews.com, I think. so. Uh, and, and do freelance for the Curry Times a little bit sometimes, too, and uh, enjoy that, too. So I didn't want to quit altogether when I retired. So. <laughs> I don't know if I want to retire like Eldon, where I'm still out there covering looking like I'm a full-time yeah. guy. Although the podcast, you know, if the podcast yeah. is what we were doing when we retired, that's a different thing. You re you must have to really love your job to retire from your job <laughs> and still do the job to continue doing it. Well, I, yeah, I do enjoy it. I mean, you know, I've done it for so long uh, that, uh, and most of the officials, city and county officials, have come and gone. Um, you got to cover I, the great overthrow of county government in 2018, Kelton. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I was working at the radio local radio station here back in 1971. It was when. Uh, Paul Osborne was mayor, uh, actually. So I went through Paul Osborne Never and Scott, Scott Bowser. <laughs> no, yeah. Osborne Park, man. <laughs> Scott Bowser oh, okay, and, okay. and Gary Markham and uh, all the way up and then Bud Ayers and all the way all the down the line. So uh, gotten to know. Did you ever meet uh, Al Bundy? No. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or Omar Bundy. Or Omar, or Omar Bundy either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been but, a pleasure to have it. you. This I has been it. a lot of fun to finally uh, finally get you on the show. 
There's more, so much more. Oh my gosh, I yeah. Mean, yes, I, well, it, he's a very, if it wasn't for this movie and the work you've done, he wouldn't be here today. He would not come on the show. Eldon doesn't do interviews, so they have, you having mean him more about the story, I think. You mean, you mean more about the story. Oh, yes, yeah. no, that's what I mean. Yeah, more. You could do a, a three-hour show. Yeah, I've talked to this man you know, on a daily basis for a period of time for three years, and there's more. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, oh, really? Also, I get confused now because of, you know, of course I embellished when I wrote the screenplay, so now I'm like, did I write that, or is that actually true? I can't remember which one <laughs> is, is true or not. Historical fiction. Yes, that's what we labeled it, historical fiction. <laughs> so, Candace, uh, if people want to support you, obviously, in this, but the day job, too, you you do... You, you, if people want to get their hairs cut, they can come see you. Yeah, so I work at a barbershop called Gents Barbershop in Greenfield. And, um, yeah, we're um, 9 to 9, Monday through Friday, and 9 to 3 on Saturday. And huh, you hear that, Clay? 9 to 9. Oh. <laughs> hmm. we have a, our, one of our county councilmen is our, is our barber, Dakota, and I go see the same fellow. He's one of our co-hosts. Oh, yeah. Has yeah. the MVP barbershop here in Newcastle. Oh, yeah. But uh, you got to show up between, uh, I don't know, 9 and, and 9 five. and 5. He's got the old 9 to 5 job, right. Monday to Friday. <laughs> Okay, not said, nope, not Mondays. Should have said something about him on air. But we have some great <laughs> talent in there. The guys that I work with, the gentlemen that I work with, are fantastic. We have wonderful clients. It's a great facility. Um, and then obviously the shout, another shout out that I would like to give is the Geyer. Um, that's that would be my favorite pick if people were going to go support. I mean, aside from my personal project, is the Geyer Opera House. They they've done so much for theater in this area and. Um, there's always something going on out there. So if you, you know, have that theater bug and if you got the bug to be on stage or backstage or downstage or understage or whatever kind of, well, there's all kinds of stages out there. And you want to do a play with me, Jer? Very active. Oh, do it. It's, you know, <laughs> boss hog of liberty on ice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a fantastic place for all ages, literally in, in all um, types of, of, skills costuming you know yep. even just maintenance i mean no, there's all were, kinds of stuff they were a big benefit a big help uh, yes in the in this project uh, and along in, the way in my personal life you know the guyer i mean and it, it's an entity to me now that you know when i think of of course actors come and go and board members change around and things like that there's there's your core people that are usually always there but the Geyer itself as a structure. It's an institution. Yes. I mean, and a lot of people, if you talk to people who've, who've been active out there, they'll tell you the same thing. It's, mm. a, it's a great it's place. A, yeah, it's a fantastic place. So I think that I did two plays out there, and then I auditioned for another one, and I didn't make it. Oh. And then I never went back. Oh. <laughs> well, you mentioned, uh, you talked about Sandy Slavin earlier. And I have a story in the paper this week about the film that she's going to be working on. Starting next spring called I Only Want You, and... Uh, uh, who? Who do you want? Uh, <laughs> I think he was talking to you. <laughs> She's going to start uh, next spring uh, now, I think, and shoot it in Newcastle. She did one before called Losing Breen, which was shot mostly in Connersville, I think, but she wanted to do this one in Newcastle, and she just recently got Patty Spittler on board uh, to have a small part, a small role in that movie. That's a big movie. name in Indianapolis in and Central uh, Indiana. Don Stuck, who was a Q95, I think, is also going to be in there. And there, so she's going to start filming next spring, I think, on that. It's been pushed back a little bit, but so and she's done a lot, and she's planning to do it quite a bit, I guess. Just as Cameron Grimm, apparently with his five after five productions, wants to do a lot more. So very cool. There's a lot going on here. All right, Dakota. My final thoughts are that I'm ready to go to Nashville. And <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> ready for the honky tonk? Yep, I am. 
You got to keep me from buying three pairs of boots this time, though. If you buy three pairs of boots, I just want to buy one of them for me. It's my weekend. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we went to the last time for his bachelor party. We went in, uh, I guess it was October of last year. Yep. And uh, we went to a little boot shop on Broadway. And uh, it we wasn't a boot- little, it was huge. We were in a boot shop for about seven minutes. Dakota had three pairs of boots and spent under just under $500 on boots in seven minutes. Uh, it, was it, was, it was like 300 bucks. It was. And it was buy the, one, get two free. The, a guy the at the barbershop <laughs> was telling me about them and they were amazing. It was boots. They're the nice. most yeah. incredible, efficient <laughs> right. use of time and buying footwear <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. It was, it well, was truly something. They have remember. it all laid out by size. So it's not like it takes that much time. You just go to your size section. You're like, these are my top three. This is I'm done. This. You know, yeah. if you're going to buy boots, Nashville is clearly where Americans go to buy boots. And what yep. better way to and have cowboy a hats. buffet of boots? <laughs> I'm bringing my Pearl Snap shirt. I'm going to bring at least one <laughs> just, just for the sport of it. See what happens. See how we do. So uh, if I could ask you uh, quickly, we were talking about this before. Sure. <clears throat> you started here about uh, uh Covering uh, that that you folks do cover some uh, city and county uh, meetings, and if you you, you want to do more of that, or because people really enjoy that, and it would be great the city and county government could do their own, and hopefully that'll happen uh, at one of these days. But uh, I think Aaron Dickens working on that for the city right now. Okay, yeah, well I think the county is working on. Well, he's dipped his toes with his Facebook lives anyway. With mm-hmm. his talks too, I like to. Yeah, both to uh, both Clay Morgan and uh, and uh, Aaron Dickens have done a great job of. of you know, doing summaries after their meetings on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clay's right. taking a, the Facebook right. sabbatical again, but uh, Aaron's continued to do it and give summaries and be be open and transparent right. with people. Uh, but yeah, we you know we've made it to a handful of them. Um, we're still we're still learning the equipment and getting things that you know will go and people will be half frustrated because something doesn't work right or doesn't sound right. And it is a lot of work, um, but we're getting better. We're and and we've generally been very well received by the uh, by by the officials when we've shown up. Uh, Sometimes we have to move around a little bit, or or jump in the way to get the camera in the right spot, or to get. Or the sometimes sound right. we just set up our own table. Yeah, at the moment, one of the park board meetings, we just said the heck with it, and we set up our own table and and went with it, and it worked out okay. So, yeah. it's. I've uh, learned in our process, it's better to ask for forgiveness that's right. than permission. So, mm-hmm. well, that's what I think with Darren, Darren Jacobs. He has that in the paper today, talking about how you need to have uh, have a permission stamp from him to to be able to do anything in this town. And get I, a warrant, Darren. That's right. You want to see inside my house? Get a warrant, buddy. Let's go. I thought we needed to talk about him sometime. Yeah, we had to yeah. get him get him slipped in there at the last minute. He made the paper today, so it's fair game now. Oh, good. I Every episode. Yeah. Oh, nobody take nobody reads the paper anymore. Yeah, well, he made the county. Can- <laughs> he, made, he made the county commissioners meeting last night too. All right. Well, this is uh, this has been fun. Um, uh, Tom uh, Tom Egbert was in the uh, in the chat earlier and asked about John Andretti, the uh, the IndyCar driver. It sounds like his uh, his cancer's returned. So I guess that's my. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, shout out here. John's been a been a guy mm-hmm. who's hosted a charity golf, uh, not charity golf, charity go kart tournament, right. and raised a lot of money for Riley the Children's Hospital over the years uh, in Newcastle, the Newcastle uh, Motorsports Park, at, yeah. at the Newcastle Motorsports Park, and uh, he's been fighting uh, 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 colon cancer for a little bit over a year, yeah. uh, and uh, um, been promoting colonoscopies and the Check It for Andretti campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a clean bill of health uh, back in December, and it sounds like it's returned this time. So mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers out to the Andretti family, but uh, probably a good time to remind everybody about awareness. So when you're 45, go get checked. So with that, on that happy note, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, another, it's another Newcastle Henry County story, though, and uh, kind of close to home. 
Uh, really glad we had everybody here. This was a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh, hearing when the hearing yes, when the movie is. When you have Thank your you. red red carpet, we're uh, we're set to go mobile. So oh, maybe we'll yes. do some. Uh, yeah. That's a fantastic Ooh. idea. Some red carpet interviews and put that out in podcast form. Yeah. Just have to reach out to Lot first. Oh, sure he, all right with him. Well, he's the one that he's the he's the diva of the cast. You know, he had to have um, only green M and M's in a dressing room that faced east, and a yoga instructor with yoga pants on at all times. On with yoga right? pants right. on, yeah, specifically. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, maybe Dakota and I will wear yoga pants. The oh yes, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> all right, and, uh, yeah, and watch for the band. Hopefully, we'll be yeah out there soon. That's it. The next, Jazz Kings. Next week we've got the guys from the Espresso podcast coming on. We're gonna have a yeah, mashup with that's them. That's right. Espresso, they're coming. So that's uh we're gonna talk sports next week. Dakota, Chase, myself, and the, hey, the Espresso Boys. Sports. <laughs> <laughs> See y'all next week. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians Network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network. And I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to wearelibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.